Josh, are you still growing? You look taller than you did at Easter. I don't think so. Doesn't he look bigger? His head does. So, Josh, have you given any thought to a little discussion about corporate law? Yeah, you know, but I think I'd really like to check out environmental law. What for? You want to have a miserable, frustrating life? Oh, Josh will have that no matter what he does. At least he knows what he wants to do, and he's in a good college. I'd like to see you have a little bit of direction. I have direction. Yeah, towards the mall. Which reminds me, where's your report card? It's not ready yet. What do you mean, it's not ready yet? Well, some teachers were trying to lowball me, Daddy. And I know how you say never accept a first offer, so I figure these grades are just a jumping off point to start negotiations. Very good. Date? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, Jake, what? No, not the afternoon! You're such a brown noser. Oh, and you were such a superficial I told you I wanted it in the morning! What makes you think you can get teachers to change your grade? Doesn't he understand? Only the fact that I've done it every other semester. In the morning! But you bought from a Tell for rubber plants to get rid of itself. Hey, hello, welcome to the film room. Uh, we have a special guest with us today on this episode 99, the episode before episode 100. And uh, believe it or not, is not Lola. <laughs> it's a different. It's a, it's a different female whose birth I remember. She it's is my sister. She is Hillary. related to Lola. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And here's the genesis of this episode. We were discussing movies a couple weeks back, as you know, we always are. And somehow, one way or another, it came to the subject of the movie Clueless. And we realized that Albert had not seen it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so we decided, A, let's do this episode, and B, let's bring in the person that I know that knows this movie inside out. That's so me. So thus, thus Hillary's on, and <laughs> man, I am excited to cover this movie because this is, this is a movie that – you want to talk about a movie that you know I have strong nostalgia for, and yet at the same time I also have strong respect for it just as a movie – this is such an awesome film. So yeah, good. It's great. Uh, one of one of the most influential teen comedies of all time. When you talk about movies from the 90s, it, it's just it's kind of the definitive 90s comedy if you really think about it. Oh yeah. Like I can't think of another comedy from the 90s that I would point to and say, well I can think of one. I can think of one other movie that maybe comes close and that's Wayne's World. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which I also love Wayne's World, so... Uh, also much quoted in the 90s and still today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also directed by a woman, interestingly enough. True. That's true. Yep. One of the weird blips of the 90s was that it was really great for women uh, working as uh, w- working as directors of com- comedies. Uh, Billy Madison, the Brady really? Bunch movies, both of... Yeah, Billy Madison was directed uh, by uh, Tamara Davis. Hmm. I didn't know that. Who was one of the big Beastie Boys video directors uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um and, you know, so you have that. You had that. Uh, so both of the uh, Brady Bunch movies were directed by women. Uh, yeah, they were great. <laughs> I I don't know. I have mixed feelings about them. but, <laughs> I, but I, I still have a fondness for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a 
fondness for them, but I, I kind of think I agree with Roger Ebert that it would have been funnier if the outside world had been more realistic in those movies. Um, that would have been hysterical. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Still, <laughs> and it's interesting that we should t- t- mention that I should mention Roger Ebert because he his review of this movie was one of the things that really got me to step up and take notice of it uh, back in '95. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Siskel and Ebert raved about it. Uh, this movie was a huge critical hit which doesn't often happen. Um, a, a solid box office performer on a budget of 12 million, it made about 56 million, which is, that's a strong profit there. And again, it's just, this movie is just so much 1995. Like, but the 90s a, kid is so good. Yeah. Yeah. The music, everything. I'm just, oh, it has a Radiohead cute. Oh. Yeah. My all-time favorite Radiohead song is playing when they're in the car. Oh, it's just <laughs> and it's the perfect song for this movie because it's a song about materialism yep. and about emptiness and hollowness. And of course, that's what of course that's what's playing. What's yep. funny is this movie was very much a satire, like not <laughs> even a thinly veiled satire in the least. <laughs> Which Austin's works often were. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm going to hit on the Austin part in a moment. Uh, <laughs> it was It's so much a satire, but you'd better believe so many people took the wrong messages from it. <laughs> it's So Me? basically what you're... Well, I was six years old, to be fair. You know, yeah, you were right, an adult. Right. You know, to me, it was, the, it was the holy grail and that I had to be like these people. And, you know, as a six-year-old, I, I just, I couldn't wait to be in high That's, school. This was awesome. Right. But, you know, as an adult watching it, I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's a totally different, uh, totally different outlook now. But This movie has teeth about that kind of materialistic, selfish, self-absorbed world. And it's not nice about it. In a way, I kind of think of it as Sex in the City if the people involved had even – if the people making it had even the slightest self-awareness. Right. <laughs> That's a good description. Uh, it really is this very barbed movie. Um, but as I said, it wound up being a case where so much of what it was satirizing wound up seeping into the culture unironically because, <laughs> as you noted, people watched it. They they decided they wanted to be it. They decided they wanted to do it. Um, so basically what you're saying is it's the rebel without a cause of the 90s. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. it people looked at it and they were like, I want to do that and not, hey, this doesn't work at all. Right. <laughs> which is great, which is great. Uh, as I said, this movie, it very much, it developed sort of a misaimed fandom in that, again, people looked at it and they, and they decided, oh, I want the closet that uh, is computerized. <laughs> right. Even though that is the most gloriously ludicrous idea. <laughs> by the way, the, I don't know. I still kind of think that's a good idea. That's still high tech for today, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. It honestly got okay. That one, that one actually makes sense. But cool. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. This is one of the first movies to depict teens as constantly having cell phones. <laughs> oh yeah. Gee. Boy, that. Boy, that wasn't so far fetched, was it? I say as I'm literally <laughs> recording this cast on a cell phone. Yep. And those jokes are yeah. still funny. <laughs> yeah. Because they're still oh. relevant. Like that joke in the movie where it's like all the teens are on the cell phone. God, you want to talk about a moment that has not dated even in the least? The only nope. difference is that now they'd be looking down at Looking them. at them instead of holding right, them up right. to their ear. <laughs> oh, God. This movie, as I said, this movie, it's so very much 1995. 
But God, it, the thing is, there's a difference between this movie being so 95 and like some of the other comedies of this age being that way. Um, it, it feels like it's deliberately of its moment. It feels like it's mm-hmm. deliberately of its culture. Yeah, just like Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, it's deliberately embracing the fact that it's set in this moment. The way that I compare it is it's a period piece that happens to be about its period. It, it it might as well be about spring 1995, which is when it was shot. That's what mm-hmm. this movie is about, and I love it. And again, there's so much going for it. So uh, as we get into the plot, let's acknowledge that this movie is – it's not credited, but it is wholeheartedly stolen from Jane Austen's Emma. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I mean it's not a case of, they, of Amy Heckerling, who wrote and directed the film, vaguely taking the plot – I mean, pretty much every yeah. plot detail it is Emma. to something in yep. Emma. Every character maps to a character in Emma. Even the uh, even the gay character vaguely Christian, maps to a yep. character. Christian vaguely maps to a character in Emma, though in that case he was secretly engaged, not, <laughs> not gay. Uh, gay. Still a good update, though. Yeah. Uh huh. Every all of it matches perfectly. Um, Jane Austen, by the way, for those that don't remember, was mega business in 1995. <laughs> Huge business. This was the time of Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, yeah, the Colin Firth. That was big, and that was breaking Firth into his – weirdly enough, when he when Firth first broke out, uh, out in America, it wasn't a, as the leading man type. It was that he played the guy that got thrown over for the other guy in the movies. <laughs> Like the English patient, Shakespeare in love, he's the guy that uh, got dumped. Wow, let's let's all look back and agree that that was a waste of talent. <laughs> Have you you've seen Kingsman, right, Al? Of course. Man, he kicks ass in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hate that the sequel that the sequel trailer has already given us a huge giant spoiler, though. Yeah, the sequel, the the trailer and the poster. Yeah, they all give kind of a huge mega spoiler about his character, don't they? Mm-hmm. It's not even a spoiler at this point. It's they give it to you. It's like they're just telling you, oh yeah, you know how he's dead? Well, he he's not. Um, I'm not quite dead, sir. <laughs> the next year, Douglas McGrath's d- straight adaptation of Emma would come out. Yeah, with Gwyneth uh, Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, um, Jeremy Northam, uh, and I think um, I think Ewan McGregor was in that. I, I think he was in that in a small part. Because uh, that right would be about there. the same. Because that would be about the same time as Train Spotting for him. Which side note, Train Spotting too. We may be coming to those two movies as a cast. I would like to do that because you, when you see the sequel, you're going to want to talk about it because, oh my God, it's better than we deserved. You had this big mania for Jane Austen. Also, her books were being read heavily, and that makes sense. Austen was, of course, a very feminist writer. She wrote books that. That worked. That appealed to a '90s sensibility. They were strong women. They were good romantic comedies because, of course, romantic comedies were big business in '95. And she came from a place of uh, she was high. She was rich. She was high society. So, of course, that's what she wrote about was the social order of things, and that translates to uh, this. You know the. Share uh, is also high society, and uh, of course, high school is the perfect breeding ground for social order. So, perfect. 
that one decision, I feel like to to see that parallel and to take it, that alone to me makes this move explains why this movie holds up mm-hmm. so well because it's an actual idea to base your comedy around. It's not just, hey, we're going to steal this plot and move it to this new setting. It's we're going to do it for a reason. Because if you look at so many of the other attempts that they've done at doing this, where it's like we're going to ch- take a work and move it, She's All That, for example, <laughs> it doesn't quite work. Was that based on Shakespeare? or Pygmalion. Pygmalion. Uh, okay. On the other hand, the turning the Taming of the Shrew into 10 Things I Hate About You well, I I went on a live tweet of that a couple of weeks ago, so we know that we know that, that worked out amazingly. Uh, I love the hell out of that movie. That movie is hysterical. Um, so anyway, this is the movie that kind of got that trend started because you did have a brief spate where you saw these movies, where you saw things being adapted. Uh, Othello got an adaptation that might not have been a good idea. Uh, Cyrano de Bergerac got an adaptation that nobody remembers. That's the Steve Martin version, right? No, 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 no. That that one everybody remembers. Everybody remembers. Uh, everybody everybody remembers Roxanne. That's a great movie. Uh, no, uh, whatever it takes with James Franco. Okay, yeah, that's and not registering at all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you had this brief frame, but again, this was the one that got it started. So this is it occurs to me as I was looking at this movie, this is a pretty loosely plotted movie. Like this is a this is very much an episodic movie. And that's fine. The general gist of it is Cher tries to she tries to sort of she tries to manipulate this the order of the people in her lives and uh for her own benefit. And in the process discovers that she is her and in the process she discovers that she likes being a good person. Mm-hmm. She likes helping people. She, she, and in doing so, she winds up helping herself. So it's it's not not the densest of plots. Did would you say I did a good job of summing that up, Hill? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. She's <laughs> oh god, uh, yeah, she's just so out of touch. <laughs> very much. Well, that's that's just it. The title nails it. That's yeah. exactly, and that's just it. The title is not accidental. This is who she is. She has no idea what the hell she's doing. <laughs> The whole she keeps describing other people as clueless. Oh, she's so clueless. They're so right. clueless. And then towards the end, towards the end, of course, it's I'm very I'm cl- I'm clueless. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very much about someone coming into a period of self realization, mm-hmm. and she, so she, you know, of course, Cher was played by Alicia Silverstone, and I was uh, trying to got... think of her name the entire film. Uh, oh, of course. Her. Let's let now let's point something out. According to IMDb, one other actress almost had the part. Yeah, they had a there was a soap actress that they wanted who almost had the part. Couldn't get out of all my children. If she had gotten the part, Sarah Michelle Geller would have been clueless. Oh, would have I been share. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller had an offer. No. Couldn't get out of it. Look, I love Buffy to death, but Keller's not much of an actress. I'm just going to say it. I've always felt like Buffy's so far the weak link of that show <laughs> that it's painful how much she is the weak link of the show. I've always found Geller serviceable on that show, but no better. No, no. Silverstone should have been the runaway favorite for this part. Um, mm-hmm. And it's going to be impossible for me for us to discuss her work in this movie without getting the big cloud out of the way, which is that. This was sort of it for her. 
Yeah. It did not go well for her after this movie. And I, the generally agreed theory is that doing Batman and Robin in excess baggage back to back, two wildly misjudged films, for the love of God, the her romance, her, the swarthy love interest in, uh, let's see, in what is in excess baggage, the super hunk that she falls in love with is Benicio del Toro in that movie. Just to point out how misjudged that was. Wasn't she in like a music video? She's like in an Aerosmith music video. She was video in a ton too, of right? Aerosmith videos. That's how she broke out. Uh, okay, uh, that's how she broke out. That was before. Yeah, yeah, that was before. This was, <laughs> but like that's what she was known for. Uh, again, Batman and Robin. We've I've we've covered on this cast. It's not very good. Unfortunately, ho- Hollywood being disgusting, there is the theory that well, she did put on a tiny bit of weight. Though really, it's not. It wasn't even actually that she had. It was that the costumes that she wore in uh, Batman and Robin were superhumanly unflattering. Like, just nobody could have looked good in that stuff. George Clooney <laughs> looked like shit in that movie. <laughs> just to make a point, um, God, that's so. The Julian Agreed theory was that those two things killed her. I have a theory that something else did it. After this movie, she took about a year off. If you look between Clueless. If you look, she wasn't she wasn't in anything in ninety seven or in ninety six. She wasn't in anything. She wasn't no movies. I don't think she was in you know even TV guest appearances. She did nothing. She was off the radar in ninety six. I'd wager that. I'd wager that probably killed her heat faster than anything. Um, mm-hmm. Though it's funny that I say this. She actually has a film playing at the Cannes Film Festival this uh, week. So. Huh. I just yeah. saw her in a commercial for something the other day and was like, she's in Di- she's in the third yeah. diary of a wimpy kid movie, <laughs> which is now, which is the real tragedy. Cause now she's graduated to mom roles. I just remember her after hearing about like, anytime I heard about it, it was never in, a, in an actress role. It was that she was a big pita and yeah, vegan. She's a big pita like, that was right. her big thing. Yeah. She was a, you know, a vegan and that. Yeah. Which what she did. I have my thoughts on. I have my thoughts on that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Uh, I despise PETA with the flame vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> Militant vegetarians are kind of not someone I... They're not people I get along with. Then but, they don't really do what they say that they're... You know, they do more harm than good. They do. And they are the... It is the biggest rich person, like, Ugh. garbage. Where it's like, oh, it's just... it's I, I have so much hatred. But we're getting off track. We're getting so <laughs> far away. Ah, oh, wouldn't be a film room ep- film room episode if we didn't. But anyway, I-, I will say she is so great in this movie that it's gonna forever. Sh- I don't. I don't know. I say it's a forever a-, a shame. Thing is, I don't think she's done yet. I don't think she's out of the game yet. I I think if someone finds the right part for her, I see no reason she couldn't yet. She couldn't yet be one of those people who just winds up having the success later in her career. No, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Are you suggesting that uh, the third diary of a wimpy kid movie is at can right now? <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> I just put those no, two she, no. Together. She's in an art film. No, she's in an art house film okay, that's playing good. at can. Mm. That, that makes way the hell more sense. <laughs> good God! Though just for the hell of it, I'd love to like dub that into Esperanto, cut it up. You know, maybe maybe it would make sense there, but no, God. The emoji movie is that's playing it, but that's playing in like promotional screening. It's getting a promotional screening though. That doesn't count. The Netflix. Did you see that the Netflix uh, movie got booed? 
Yes, I did. Despite the fact that it also got critical acclaim, so go yeah, back. that's it. <laughs> that's yeah, they're they're kind of snobby. <laughs> they're snobs, but anyway. So anyway, yeah, she, her performance in this movie is so good because she's so charismatic and her timing is just lethal. Yeah, well, Never that's... once does she betray the jokes. I mean, a lot of this dialogue is extremely funny, and she just kind of plays it off. It's just that's rare. So she's great in this movie. Um. Hey, and her character, it's such an ensemble piece that you almost want to like go through it character by character. Oh, it is. Ugh. There's her best friend, uh, Dion, played by uh, Stacey Dash. And let's move past her. <laughs> oh, God. Let's not give that Politics. one any more. Let's not give her any. Let's not give Fox News' favorite black woman any more time of the day. Oh, is that what she's doing now? Uh, she is a conservative commentator, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's move past that. How far that. we fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dee's boyfriend, uh, Murray, is was played by Donald Faison. Let's, uh, yeah. I'm fine if we stop He's and talk cool. a little bit. I am more than happy to. He was happy in the show, to... too, right? Didn't he? Scrubs. He was... uh, Scrubs. Uh, oh, yeah, He's Turk. Scrubs. I think of him, honestly, I think of him more for Turk than for anything else, because he is so great on Scrubs. He is, yeah. Yeah, he's hysterical on there. And kind of playing the same part, really. Yeah. Just like, likeable, goofy. Um, Him and Zach Braff have all the chemistry. Yeah. Well, in real life, they, in real life they're extremely close. Uh, interestingly enough, Braff actually tried out for the part of Josh in this movie. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah. He also tried out for the part of Elton. From what I've read from IMDb, if you were an actor working in this age, you tried out for for parts in this movie. Yeah. Like, it's unreal. Let's see. So, you know, so that's her clue. And into this world comes a newcomer that kind of one of the threads that gets the movie going. Again, it's very narratively, it's a very loose movie. It really is, which kind of fits the original material where, you know, she's got uh, – where the newcomer enters Ty, played by the late Brittany Murphy. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I knew I reckon I didn't register that, which I'm glad yeah, I didn't that because is... I would be I would have been sad. Yeah. Yeah. She was so young, wasn't she? Like super young in the movie. Yeah. Younger she was... than anyone else. Yeah, she was the youngest one in the cast. Uh Murphy was one of those actresses. She it was fully formed in this movie. Her performance in this movie was a fully formed work of comedy. She had this instant personality that you could tell she was going to work more. Very much, it's an unconventional energy. Again, died way too young. Way, way, way too young. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's not let that overshadow us. Um, when we could be focusing on, when we could also be remembering the fact that she uh, would actually she actually would go on to a lot of success almost immediately after this because uh, on King of the Hill, yeah, oh yeah, where she, where she would play uh, where she would play two roles at first. Uh, that two, of, really, uh, yeah, she would play t- she played two roles because of course everybody knows she plays Luann, but she played uh, Joseph's uh, she played uh, Joseph uh, Dale's quote unquote son <laughs> on the on the she- show. She she played him until Joseph hit puberty and then he was uh, replaced. Ah, and this is the greatest segue of all. Uh huh. And he was then he was replaced by Brecken Meyer. 
<laughs> who we can now segue to who played Travis. Uh, the uh, Oh, that was guy him? That, yeah, that was oh, him. God. I've That's seen definitely. I've seen him in real life. You wouldn't notice it because he's not boring and uh, uninteresting in this movie like he is in everything else. Right. <laughs> he's not he's not in John Arbuckle mode in this movie. He's playing a he uh, Travis is a stoner skater who Ty really likes and is really drawn to, but he's socially unacceptable. A slacker. He's a slacker. Of course, the movie doesn't make the stoner element quite as clear as it would be like say today, but it's obvious. Well, there are bongs in the film. Okay, so yeah. it's not that unobvious. By the way, this movie would not get a PG. This is another one of those movies that I look at and I'm like, this would not get a PG-13 today. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I swear, it's amazing how you can get away with constant discussions of virginity and sex in a movie in 1995. But as long as you don't utter one syllable, mm-hmm. it's great. As long as you yeah. don't drop the F- F-bomb, you're, yep. you're free and clear. <laughs> because there is so much discussion about virginity in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, the most, like, to me, one of the most memorable quotes, you're a virgin who can't drive. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's, and then that's a little is, <laughs> that That is just like, how did this get away with this in 95? <laughs> you look at, honestly, I've been going back and watching some 90s movies, and I really think that the ratings board might be more to blame for killing teen movies than anything else, because the ratings board went in and started restricting the content because you could get away with anything in these movies. <laughs> as long as you just didn't say one word. Well, and sometimes they're so subtle about the virginity talk in the movie because, you know, when I was six, when they're having lunch and talking about it, when you find out that Cher and Dee are virgins, I mean, at six years old, I had no idea what they were talking about. Right. No idea. But then they come right out and say it later, you know, in plain terms. So it's funny what. I was 11 and I I was like, wow, I missed a whole, a whole lot of stuff (laughs) that was going on here. None of this stuff went over my head when I saw it. None of it. It, it hit me square in the head. Uh, Incidentally, it's funny. We're the three, the two of us are on here. Neither one of us is the one that saw it in theaters. Nathan actually did. Yeah, I remember that. Nathan did. Um, But it's, so again, so you have that going. There's also the idea of saving yourself for Luke Perry. Which is kind of funny because now Luke Perry's playing a dad on TV because he's playing a he's playing Archie's dad on Riverdale. Oh yeah, it would be so much funnier, by the way, if I was to say that Perry looks hysterically old and gross and fat. No, he, he honestly well. God, he honest to God looks pretty much identical to how he looked in the nineties. It's but it's, it's actually Rudd. yeah. Oh yeah, let's get to Paul Rudd because uh, before we before I move on to Paul Rudd, uh, I just want to mention as part of the Virginia mentions, uh, this probably has one of the most raunchy jokes I've ever heard in a teen comedy, which is the uh, w- when they're trying to get when they're all trying to get out of tennis, and uh, last girl says, "Oh my my." Plastic surgeon says that uh, <laughs> my nose can't handle any balls to the face, and then the line immediately after, "Well, there goes your social life." <laughs> <laughs> There's that's that's not so even classic. subtle. Cisco and Ebert loved that line. That got used so in their good. review. I I laughed heartily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, they were both big backers of this movie. Um, this because uh, it is it's this great vulgar line. 
Frank, that might be, that's one thing I do want to pause while we're still talking about this. Do you know how rare it is to see a movie where teenage girls are talking about sex and it's not in a sense of this is gross and bad and disgusting and <laughs> only true. the guys want it? This is a very sex positive movie. It's true. The girls have sex drives. They're not subtle about it. They're very enthusiastic. They're very happy. They clearly enjoy it. How cool is that? Yeah, that is cool. And why do I think this movie was that way? Written and directed by a woman. Of course. Yep. <laughs> just <sighs> putting that out. But there. I mean, just just <laughs> saying that maybe it. But, it, but and which honestly, that kind of makes it even stranger that because just for perspective, twelve years later, the movie Juno almost got an R rating oh, simply yeah. for a line, simply for having the title character be happy that she'd had sex. Mm-hmm. Yep. Simply for having a line where she's like, it was the greatest. Shame on her. Yeah. There she. <laughs> the ratings board seriously tried to give them an R rating for that. Ugh. And the studio held their ground and said, we're going to appeal this because this is ridiculous. Good. I don't like that movie very much, but um, that's just neither here nor there. It's not for reasons like that. It's, it's not. But anyway, yeah, so you've got... Um, so yeah, I, I like that about the movie. I like that it has that attitude. I like that these characters, you know, that uh, Dee and Murray have a really happy, healthy life in that area. It's I like that. That's 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 funny. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but you're right. Uh, but uh, let's see. God, where again? This is such a difficult movie. The I'll tell you. I was reading the Wikipedia synopsis of this movie. Just for like getting details, and even it's all over the place. <laughs> so again, the whole plot of the movie is that Cher is trying to, she's trying to meddle in people's lives. That includes her teachers, which is where <laughs> Wallace Shawn comes into things. As she decides that if she sets her teachers up, she can get better grades because they'll be in a better mood. It's pretty smart thinking uh, if you think about it. What'd you say? So that's pretty smart. <laughs> it is. It's that's just just it. She's established as being intelligent. And uh, savvy about this stuff, and it is a good idea. But what's great is that when she realizes that they are, that she actually is onto something, and that they actually do have a spark and they do have chemistry, she is happy for them. But the plot succeeds. There's never any sense that she's being punished for this plot. She tries to manipulate Ty, and into <laughs> she, she tries to get her to get a makeover. There's the makeover scenes, and oh, yeah. boy, this. This movie isn't allowed to do the lengthy makeover scenes because that's pretty much what the movie's about. <laughs> the thing about the makeover scene in that movie that struck me as hilarious was any other movie, it would be in a store. And uh, at first I thought it was, and then I realized, well, there's they're in Cher's room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is all her, these are all her clothes. Yep. <laughs> oh, ludicrous consumption. It's... It, it... This movie is just, it's such a love letter to the idiocy of ludicrous consumption. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love, I love. And the part when she's talking about her house and she's like, is it my house classic? The columns date all the way back to 1970. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The house That's... I'm sitting in right now dates back to the 1950s or 60s. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure my apartment so is no different. Yeah. So you have that going for it where it's like, so, you know, she tries to hook, she decides that she's going to try and hook her up with uh, Elton, who is played by Jeremy Sisto, who, uh, my God, 
God, how many killers and psychopaths has he played in movies? I was just thinking about, like, I didn't see him in anything for a long time, and then I was watching a movie when I was, like, 14, and the movie is called 13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, the drug addict boyfriend. And I was like, God, that guy looks so familiar. Like, yeah. I have to go look this up and find out who this is. And I had to, like, you know, get on the computer and Google it. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Elton. <laughs> yeah, he played so many psychopaths and drug addicts yeah i i i also had to um place him and i finally placed him in six feet under yeah yeah (laughs) he's let's see he's been in two separate dc animated movies uh one of which he plays a uh, deranged assassin one of which he plays batman so we'll argue about if that's better um he's batman he's batman in new frontier yeah, so he, it's one of those things. Role association, like even in 1995, he was already playing serial killers and crazies. <laughs> he was in a movie called Hideaway with uh, Alicia Silverstone, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he, that's kind of his stock and trade. So you kind of know the minute that you look at him, you're like, oh, he's sleazy. And <laughs> he tries to put the moves on uh, Cher, but, well, she's not interested because... She, she's not interested. <laughs> um, he's, yeah, he's just, he's just a slimy rat of a character. And <laughs> it's kind of nice to have that character in a movie like this. <sighs> Teenage boys who are like that are, I always yeah, enjoy we all know him. <laughs> we all know him. We all know that guy. <laughs> we all know that guy. Um, honest to God, the only thing this movie is lacking in terms of the modern teenage stereotype is there's no fedora wearing nice guy in this movie. <laughs> that that wouldn't come until a little later that wouldn't come until a little later but man uh until that trope was sadly codified is the codified. term that I there you go yeah. that's exactly mm-hmm. right yeah so he is um but yeah i don't know probably in the modern day a character like elton probably would be that type though <laughs> to be honest true because but but you have that going for it where it's like okay he's just this sleazy just kind of oily ugh. <laughs> then there then there then there's the guy that Cher does try to hook up with and he seems so nice Christian he's so nice and sweet <laughs> he's got good taste in movies and TV and shopping, shopping. and he's gay <laughs> clothes and yeah no I love I never realized until like I watched it I'm serious I, you know how many times I've seen the movie. Yeah. A million. I, I mean, seriously, I've seen it so many times. And I never noticed. I was watching it last night. And he is, <laughs> he he's ca- he calls her finally, I guess, after their little, you know, saying that they're going to hang out or whatever. And he's at an art gallery. And in the background is a painting of two guys, two gay guys. And <laughs> it's just little things like that, that, you know, and I guess the movies that he's into, you know, there's some. Spartacus about yes I mean, <laughs> which is so a gay movie as, yes that they put in there that you just uh, oh like oh as an adult oh oh I see right. what's happening there that I, I never saw before <laughs> and and you know what's great about that is that the movie doesn't judge him for it no, no. no. when just it's revealed fact. when it's revealed it's not like oh gross you're bad you're bad no he's still they're still like totally close and she's yep, still hanging cool out mm-hmm. it's just it's like this movie dares to say, hey, you know, there are gay characters, there are gay people in life, and let's not be a big deal about it. Yeah. Let's not make a big deal. <laughs> yeah, let's not make a big deal out of it. This is just real life. 
And I also think it's interesting that it's Murray that gives the big speech that <laughs> finally makes it obvious to her. And what's great is if you listen to the speech, he's not judging him either. He's just nope. calling him what he is. He uses a bunch of terms, but they're not. Yeah. They're not well, he's more in shock that she didn't know. <laughs> he's yeah, right. he's more in shock that she didn't know. But he's cool with it. And to have a, a black to, to put that speech in the voice of a black male teenager, it's kind of rare, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Because he's just like, because again, he's just like, God, it's such a wonderful series of quotes that he throws out. <laughs> Cake boy. But at no, but at no point is the term at the at no point are any of those slurs. No. He's just describing his behavior. Yep. And then he finally screams out, "He's gay!" Yeah. <laughs> I, the, the capper. Yeah. So with all of those failed love interests, we're then left with the one that will eventually become her love interest. And if you look at this movie in her retrospect, yeah, <laughs> it's given away just by the casting. Even though, ironically, Rudd wouldn't do another major film for, like, another nine years. It would be about nine years until I would would see – I mean, he did – he worked constantly. In fact, he was on Friends for uh, – he's actually on Friends more than – I think Gunther is the only other non-friend to be on the show as much as he was. Hmm. Makes sense. That's That's pretty cool. I mean, he did a few movies. He did a movie with Jennifer Aniston that was pretty regrettable. Not the not the recent one with Jennifer Aniston that was pretty regrettable, but another <laughs> one. Let's be honest. Aren't all movies with Jennifer Aniston pretty regrettable? There's one. <laughs> there is one. I think it was actually called Cake. Yeah, she was. Yeah, I I just I, I I'm you not, not like I'm not one? in any. Well, I'm not in any way an Aniston fan, so I've established <laughs> that. I she just sets me on it. She was she was good in that. I'm sure she was. She's just the most boring, mediocre white woman I've ever seen in a movie. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, keep in mind, I just did my lengthy Friends retrospective. Um, but, so you come to, to the fact that her stepbrother, it, it's Paul Rudd. God, that's just like a walking spoiler for how her love life is going to end, isn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, no matter what, no other guy in the movie is going to be as handsome, as charming as likable as he is. It's a giveaway now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not yeah, it, necessarily when he was less uh, well-known, but yeah. <laughs> but but the, th- the thing that makes this movie so eerie is how much he's aged. <laughs> not not that all. much. <laughs> no. Ugh. He's so handsome. He's still just, he's still, still. Yeah. And he's... Crush. And he's working with some great material here and just absolutely tearing into it. He is yeah. – he's awesome in this movie. You could look at him and immediately know, oh, we're probably still going to be watching this guy in 20 years because he just has that innate quality. And he's so again, cool. He's just yeah. so cool. He's in college, but he's not like partying. He's just like hanging out on the couch watching the news all the time and snacking and like yeah. he wants to go into environmental law. Like he's like really caring. like. He's there to help. Like, come on. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he's so cool. I, I love the uh, uh, the point the film makes, which is, you know, when she figures out that uh, she's in love with him. Well, first of all, the shot where she figures it out is is great. <laughs> that, oh, God. Um, yeah. That's just, that's just, I love how over the top this movie is. Uh, <laughs> but in everything, but... Uh, no, the, uh, well, my usual tactics aren't going to work here because mm-hmm. I know him so well. What the hell yep. do I do? <laughs> it's it's yep. great. 
it, it's great because, and it makes sense that that's what she has to deal with is that she can't play these games. She has to be herself. She has to be yeah. raw and open and it works. <laughs> God, it, it works. And, and you do believe them together. You totally believe that they have a spark. You totally believe that they have chemistry. It just works. Um, and it's uh, it's just such a, a fitting ending. Of course, now in the original book, the, uh, the uh, equivalent uh, Mr. Knightley was uh, a, uh, an old family friend, basically. So it was still someone who knew her tech, who right. knew her techniques, who knew her tricks. Good fit. Good fit there. Um, and and I, love, I love her dad's whole explanation about why he's still hanging around, even though he's you know, even though they're no longer family, it's like you divorce, you divorce wives, you don't divorce children. Yeah. Right. Right. I love that line. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. I love when they show the dad being, you know, a good dad, you know, they make him seem so scary and you know, he's this big scary lawyer, but then he has these moments where you're like, Oh, he's just a normal dad. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the movie is after she's, after Shara's brought him the grades and it's like, he knows that she's, you know, manipulated them and, yeah. <laughs> and she admits it. he's like, honey, I, I couldn't have been prouder if they were real. <laughs> Based on real grades. Yeah. But yeah. you think about it. Of course he would think that he's a lawyer. It's a lawyer. Right. <laughs> he's proud because she's, because she's shown skill at the thing that he's good at. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be proud if Lola pulled something like that. <laughs> Words that are going to come back to bite me in the ass in 20 years. <laughs> yes. It's in wax. It's in wax. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love the relationship with dad. Of course, her dad's uh, played by Dan Hedaya, one of the uh, great character actors of the 90s. Oh, yeah. I didn't know his name, but uh, I've seen him in lots of places. Mm-hmm. He's one of those actors. He's in everything. He was like and on the show, too, wasn't he? No, I think he was, no. No, he, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, Somebody else I th- that I know was was the dad on the show. I can't yeah, I'm trying now. to think. Yeah, we're we're gonna get to the show. I have <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, but again, this movie again, it's a very loosely structured film, but I think that works. I think that actually works in its benefit. Um, it's also a fairly lengthy film, as such things go. It's 97 minutes. Yeah, that's longer than the usual teen comedy. And I think that works for this movie because it does have a lot of subplots. It does have a lot of story Mm -hmm. and it means that we can really sit there and enjoy it. The slang in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's so (laughs) (sighs) it's so glorious. I still say some of those things. I can't help it. They just come out. It's like I've been conditioned at this point to Right. <laughs> what, and that's one area where the movie really set trends because of course so much of it was just invented for this movie. But it made it one of those things. It just it normalized it. It seeped into the culture over time. Mm-hmm. Because why not? Um God there's just there's so much greatness here that I I love all of the the ways that they bring like in her debate classes and, and just all the like like things that are happening out in the real world and how clueless she is about them. Like what if she's calling them like Hadians or something. And like, yeah, it's comparing all of these horrible, you know, tragedies going on in the world to like dinner, pop- dinner party. party, you know, yeah. things. And it's just that, you- that element in the movie they, that comes up so many times. There's so many times where that happens and it's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's one of the most awesome parts of the movie. And, and the worst part about it is those are all real things. 
True. Yeah, exactly. It's There's stuff only... that was going on. One other student who's willing to color out our bullshit and nobody listens. Yeah, exactly. Amber. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we didn't touch on Amber. Uh, what a vital <laughs> role she was in this movie as the foil. Yeah. Where, where she's the one that's just looking at all this and she's frustrated. Yeah. She's sort of in the story, but she's also sort of at an angle to it. Mm-hmm. Poor, poor kid. God, there's just so much. Yeah, yeah, the dialogue in this movie, every line of dialogue in this movie is a gift. Because, mm-hmm. uh, again, um, Amy Heckerling, this wasn't her first high school movie. She did, she directed um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, did not, however, did not, however, write that one. Uh, that was uh, written by Cameron Crowe, actually. So, and I uh, love how her whole th- her whole thing about wanting to do stuff, you know, all these good deeds for other people. It's because she's so selfless and stuff, but really it's just because it makes her feel good. So it's right. <laughs> this whole like thing, you know, when she quotes, like she read in a book, you know, tis a far better thing doing stuff for other people or whatever. And it's like, yeah, while she's like, you know, smiling so big because she's so proud of herself. This oxymoron. It's pretty, I mean, and it's, I mean, that's, that's relevant. And you know what's, always. Sad? <laughs> and you know what's sad? I've seen so many movies where this kind of character would be played completely without irony. Right. Yeah. This this movie knows how flawed she is. This movie knows that she is compl- not so much well, I mean she's fraudulent and the movie knows that. And the whole point of this movie is her seeing how all of this gets torn down. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I think that's something that teen movies often overlook. One of my big problems with she's all that is that I don't know that the movie is completely aware of how really seriously dark its messages are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like God, I, you would almost think the guy that wrote that, that his last movie was about a, uh, the, uh, was about a psychopath that kidnapped women. Oh, wait, that was the movie that the last, <laughs> that that guy just wrote. Oh, boy. Um, no, seriously, because uh, for those that uh, don't know, the draft that got She's All That greenlit was, was written without credit, by M. Night Shyamalan. Hmm. <laughs> I, I did not know that. sort of kind yeah. of heard that somewhere. Yeah, Shyamalan wrote the draft that got the movie greenlit. Uh, wow. Uh, by the way, Hillary, you need to see Split if you get the chance. I know. Uh, Austin watched, or my, my husband, Austin, yes. watched yes. it, and he, uh, he, he said it was really, really good and that I would, I would love it. So do you, Have it. you seen Unbreakable? Yes. Okay, how do you feel about Unbreakable? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I've then got you, to do it. Okay, then you have to see this because, I as know. I'm sure it's probably already been... Has it been spoiled for you that this movie does connect to Unbreakable? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because... He did. I, I saw that. I read that. Yeah, it does connect to Unbreakable, and the sequel to this movie is a hybrid sequel to that and Split. Oh, nice. So it's gonna be a, a it's gonna be a crossover with characters from both movies. Oh, I cannot wait for that. Oh, I've got to see that. Yeah, I've got to see I, that because I love Unbreakable so much. Um, but anyway, you just you have that going with this movie that 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 it is this really nice aware movie about it knows what's going on. Like this movie isn't celebrating these things; it's actually criticizing them, but it's subtle about it, and I love that and. God, it's just hysterical. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then when things aren't going her way, of course, you know, and she doesn't pass her test and 
you know, Ty's getting all the attention and stuff. Of that angst that she's going through. Oh, it's so real. As a girl, I can totally relate. <laughs> it is real. It, it is. And and the movie kind of mocks it at the same time it understands it. I like that. Like, oh, your problems are so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a movie that's constantly referencing actual genocide going on right. outside her door. <laughs> exactly. But it knows that and it does have fun with it. <sighs> mm-hmm. God, this I I just I really do love this movie. Um, I'm I've kind of tapped what thoughts I want to make. Hillary, what points would you want to make that I that we might have not gotten to so far? Hmm. It is a great soundtrack. I will say that. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that was the one thing is that I had I. Well, there were so many things that came out after the movie, like a. Uh, Another show obviously came out, but they also had, I don't know if you, you even remember this, but there was, you know how you could put the disc in your computer mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was, it, they had a clueless like game that you could play and that was yeah. so freaking awesome. And then there was, po- you know, there's obviously posters. I had everything that you could have, by the way, had- I don't think anything went missed. I had it. There was a dress up set. There was like the fake phone that had like their, the logo on it they merchandised the hell out of this they did (laughs) uh three they did a trilogy of uh novels that that i read and which were actually really good i i honestly the one thing they didn't do of course was a direct sequel to the movie uh but the trilogy of novels actually worked really well as a filling in that gap i i do recommend if you like the movie do seek them out uh they were by uh hb gilmore who adapted the movie for the uh novelization the novelization of the movie itself is actually pretty good uh, and fleshes it out just a tiny bit, uh, really uses the narration style that was given to the, for the movie well. Yeah, seriously, they merchandised this movie so hard. The one thing they didn't do was a sequel. Which is probably for the best. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I think they could have made money with a sequel, but I don't think that it would have been – it wouldn't have been as good. Um, yeah. The soundtrack, though, was at that to me, that was like the best thing that came off of the movie. It's so good. And you look at it, it's some (laughs) and it's some weirdly good artists on it, like Supergrass is on it, Radiohead is on it. Yep, the Supergrass track that's used on it is actually a really good one. Um, I there's some really good stuff in this. Um, again, of course, there is the TV show. Um, TV show was interesting in that. A lot of people came from the movie came back for the show, yeah. hmm. except for one biggie. Alicia Silverstone did not come back for the show. I'm going to put forward a theory that if she had come back, they might have been able to attract a better class of writer. Mm-hmm. And they might have, the show might have been able to be something because they had so much of the original cast in it because Stacey Dash, Donald Faison, um, Elisa Donovan all came back. Uh, Wallace Shawn came back. Um, Brittany Murphy did not come back. Um, if they had been able to get Murphy and Silverstone back and treated the show as a direct sequel, mm-hmm. that show could have been, they were so close to having something really interesting and ambitious. Strangely enough, Paul Rudd came back as a different character. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. right. He, he played a one-off love interest at one point yes that's which right. was super that. distracting yeah. why would you do that i don't know <laughs> um 
I, I liked Rachel Blanchard as Cher. She was fine. Yeah, she she did a fine job. But the show also suffered from the fact they put it on TGIF. Oh, no, yeah. you should have been going after the Friends audience. That should have no. been your audience, was the Friends audience. The movie played to the Friends audience. Why didn't the show? I, I don't know. It's It ran for a few years. It actually ran a lot longer than people would have expected. Um, it eventually went over to UPN. It, it, I think it lasted a season on ABC, and then it went over to UPN. Uh, kind of, I think the same thing happened with Sabrina, the teenage witch eventually, yeah. but we've, co- we've covered Melissa Joan Hart at the, uh, on this cast. It wasn't yeah. nice. Yeah. It so wasn't nice. Hillary, for, if, if you're unaware, I heard a lot of stories about her while she made God's not dead too in little rock. Oh God. <laughs> I can only let's, imagine. Let's just say that if you've ever heard any stories about what Chris Pratt is like on set, imagine the opposite. That doesn't not, surprise me. Not a nice woman at all, apparently. Very egotistical. Because she has so much reason to be, too, I guess, huh? I know. It's funny because, you know, as I said, you'll you'll see guys like Pratt who – Pratt is currently – you know, he's currently at the height of his success. Everything is going great for him. And I hear so many stories about how he is just the absolute nicest to everybody on set and, you know, everybody at every stage of it and all that. Mm-hmm. It's like, God – Thank you for not being an asshole. No. I don't know. I mean, I hear, of course, Tom Hanks is legendary for being one of the best people to work oh, with on yeah. a movie set. And that man is, at this point, a certified legend. Go figure. Yep. I'm telling you, I was so happy to see him back on SNL last night. That made me happy. Yeah. He's just nice, period. Well, he's just... He was, like, jogging got... through, like, the park and, like, there was a wedding and he, like, stopped and took pictures I saw with those. everybody and those, stuff. Like, those were awesome. Nice guy. Uh, and, and uh, of course, if you've seen the end of Captain Phillips, God yeah. almighty, uh, have you seen that movie? Yeah. Oh, God. The last shot of that movie when he is breaking down, mm-hmm. I felt physically ill watching it. That's some oh, great yeah. acting. But anyway, as I said, anything else you can think of that you want to throw in, Hill? Because I, I do want to give you the space. No, I, I mean, I, I think probably like my favorite thing is that about the movie is that I was six when I watched it and I, it was the first movie I, I like learned all of the lines to so <laughs> that I could practice. And I, and my best friend's name was Denisha. So it was very true. easy to be, you know, call her D. I, I mean, <laughs> Didn't we take really any got into there. this as six year olds, uh, role-playing this movie and looking back, some of it's <laughs> was probably inappropriate because we didn't even realize, but I, I, the main thing that now watching it as an adult is just, it's so amazing how the clueless part is just a theme throughout. I mean, uh, there was like one, Oh, her dad, she was at the party and her dad called and she's, he said, uh, you know, where are you? And she said, she's having a snack or whatever with her friends. And he's like in Kuwait. And she's like, is that in the Valley? I mean, just so, so truly clueless. And she, you know, and it's just, you know, at 16 years old, I don't know, you know, 15, 16 years old, I guess, you know, you just, <laughs> it's so spot on for, you know, it every, is. her world is so centered around Luke Perry and shopping and, you know, and she thinks that she's so in touch with all of these, you know, things going on, but gosh, she has no idea. And so it was also something that I thought was interesting since I, I love psychology, of course. And so I yeah. think it's so 
so funny because, you know, they wanted to change Ty. She was, she, they called her, you know, she said that, that was her project and, and whatever. But then when Ty turns into her and she's being rude to Travis, you know, Cher has this realization and she says later, you know, when Ty goes off on her and says, you know, oh, you're a virgin who can't drive. And she's like, what kind of monster did I create? And it's like, you wanted this. <laughs> this is yeah. what you wanted to happen and you got it. And, you know, now you're having to, to deal with it. And, you know, just the the um, self-awareness and stuff that comes full circle in the movie is so, so interesting. The movie is, it kind of goes in these crazy tangents, but at the same time, it comes around so perfectly. <laughs> I it love does. the ending. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very unified. It's a very thematically unified film. Um, so we've got the perspective of someone who grew up on it. Albert, you <laughs> watched it last night. Mm-hmm. So what would you like to add? Uh, well, I was looking at it from the Jane Austen perspective, like, the entire time. So, I mean, maybe that's a slightly, also a slightly biased, uh, perspective to look at it. But I liked it a lot. Uh, it was hilarious. I laughed throughout. A lot of the jokes that would have dated otherwise are still hilarious. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the things that rich people have, it's like, well... Yeah, <laughs> uh, we kind of have those now, but at the same time, it's not really, not on that level. Yeah, everything everything was pretty spot on. Uh, I I liked it. I didn't ex- I did not expect it to be as over the top as it was, which is kind of funny because that's what the movie is about—just excess and. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. I do love the scene that you're talking about, too, where she realizes, what? I love Josh. And the fountain goes off, and it's what? just so dramatic. And that's my husband's favorite scene, too. It's, it's, it's hard not to love a movie that is this giddy to be this ridiculous. It's also such a bright movie. It's, it's yeah, such it a bright, smart. such a colorful movie. Like, I mean, if you look at teen movies nowadays, they're like, we want to try and be real and grounded. Uh... and fault in our stars even though let's see there's the one that opened this weekend with a plot twist so bad that i I, when i heard it i was like i hate this this is bad but like that's what we that's just it teen movies nowadays are trying so hard to be the fault in our stars in like this sad gloomy Uh, god so terrible and i really think of that all i have to do is scroll through my facebook feed if i want to see some depressing stuff come on (laughs) I don't, you don't know. need to see it in a movie too. I don't know. The teen movie is really in a sad place now. I it feels pretty dead as a genre. Um, it's because teen movies are inherently a small genre, and studios are scared off by small movies. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. I mean, not when Jason Bloom is making money hand over fist with small movies. So, I don't know. This this is. It, it's just I, a classic. Just one... Clueless is a classic to me. There's not really anything too much like it that I can. No. Super, I mean, like the Jane Austen, obviously, you know, there's there's all of that. But it just in general, there's not really anything I can, can compare right. it to. It kind of stands on its own to me. Classic is such a loaded word, but yeah, what the hell else it is, is this movie? It is. It's a 90s classic. What is this movie if it's not a classic at this point? If it isn't at this point embedded in our culture in that way, it's nothing. This is a true classic, and it's it's an awesome movie. It stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. I love I, when she's, I, she's walking, and she's like, okay, I don't want to be a traitor to my generation and all, and the guys are walking, and their pants are sagging, and they're wearing, like, 
you know, the big stoner oversized t-shirts with their skateboards and their Converse. But like, oh my God, I mean, it just gives me major nostalgia and flashbacks. Like, hold on, that's how my brothers dressed. And that's, that's how just people it. I knew dressed. And that's just, <laughs> oh, it's right here. It's like all documented, like having a home video or something. And that's, again, that's just it. It's a period piece about it itself. Is. I just, I'm so glad we got to have you on. Um, we always have some basic questions that we do ask our guests. What would you consider your favorite movie? Uh, all time. Yeah. Oh, that's really hard. I don't probably gone with the wind. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, that, what would that, you say? That would have to be it. Eight Mile is my favorite um, fun movie. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a damn good one. That's a damn, damn good one. What would you say is like your, uh, what would you say if, if you have a least favorite movie? What's a movie that you just absolutely hate? Least favorite movie? Uh, ugh. I don't know. Probably. I don't. I can't think. There's like a specific type of movie that's my least favorite. Okay. okay. Give us that. Yeah. Like, and all my, fr- I, I, I love my friends, but they all love these movies. But they're like the Valentine's Day. Have you seen that? Oh, my God. Where it's yes, all yes, the yes. different actors and they have these stories and they intertwine. Okay, my friends absolutely love those, and they want to go see them. And I'm like, I, you cannot pay me to want to go see that. They're so terrible. I, we, we <laughs> I have don't a name understand. For that. We what have a that? name for that type of movie, uh, Shitty Magnolia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Perfect. I hate those. I mean, I, I, I want that time back. After I leave, I'm like, can I get... Can right. I get my time back and my money too if I spent any, which I don't? <laughs> they're they're the kinds terrible. Of, they're the kinds of movies that's like they're all about getting in a bunch of actors, but then you start to realize that a bunch of these actors, I don't need to watch in a movie. Right. Yeah, I don't like how how much can we twist the story to surprise you at the end? Like, oh, Bradley Cooper's gay, ha ha! Like, you know, and it's like, uh, oh, yeah, I hate that it. wasn't even clever. I, I mean, that's mean. That's uh, what that is, because yeah, that's like, ha ha! Gay is a twist. Yeah, exactly. Like this is terrible. Oh, I hate those. So that that's probably. I mean, I can definitely think of some bad movies, but that in general, that is just. Oh, yeah, God. that's that's pretty awful. Say, so actually, we covered Love Actually for the cast in December, except I like that one. So yeah, that's different. That's different though, because that one is actually funny. Yeah, it's yeah, that one's different. That, that one's hysterical. That and one's and like, why do they keep doing them? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like every time I turn money. around, they're doing another one. Like, didn't we just do one? Like, <laughs> who has money. the money to spend on this? I just give me some. New Year's Eve probably for me is the worst of those. Oh, <laughs> you know this whole Ugh. idea that we that we're gonna let Ashton Kutcher be. Yeah, Ashton and it, Kutcher. That's who I was trying to yeah. think. Who's always in those? Ugh. He's always in those. Oh god, those are just bad movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I think I think my favorite straining in that movie is when they reveal that uh, Zac Efron and Sarah Jessica Parker are are siblings, and I'm like, in what universe? I I, I can sit yeah. here with the math and tell you that that doesn't work. Not at all. No. Not not to be rude or anything, but I'm just saying there's no universe in which those two are. I mean, it's that's a long distance apart. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Ugh. No, I I hate those two. I hate those two. Um, yeah. But Hillary, it's been an absolute blast having you on the, the cast yes, today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming up, guys. Next one, it's the big one. We are entering triple digits. <laughs> yes. Woo! If uh, if we were a TV show, we would have enough for syndication. 
I know. I was thinking about that this morning. We (laughs) are going syndicated as of this (laughs) next cast. And we want to give a special shout out to our patrons. You can find us at, uh, you know, if you want to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash the film room. We have some big ideas that we're playing with right now that we may or may not have launched by the time that y'all hear this. But but anyway, thank you all so much. And you can find us at thefilmroom.org. Yeah. We're always always posting. We're always posting new content there. So until then, see y'all later. Bye. Dion and her boyfriend Murray are in this dramatic relationship. I think they've seen that Ike and Tina Turner movie just too many times. Now I have to say to her, Dee, why do you put up with it? You could do so much better. Here he comes. Woman, why don't you be answering any of my pages? I hate when you call me woman. Where you been all weekend? What's up? You jeeping behind my back? Jeeping. 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 No, but speaking of vehicular sex, perhaps you can explain how this cheap Kmart hair extension got into the backseat of your car. I don't know where that came from. That looks like one of your little stringy something or another you got up in your hair. I do not wear polyester hair, okay? Unlike some people I know, like Shawana. See, I'm outing. Bye. Why do you gotta go there? Why do you gotta go there? Is it that time of the month again? I don't know why Dion's going out with a high school boy. They're like dogs. You have to clean them and feed them, and they're just like these nervous creatures that jump and slobber all over you.